Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Hello, all. And Noah Ansaldua. Hello there. In this podcast, we talk to you about... Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) In this podcast, we talk to you all about the biggest games of the week, at least the ones we could get our hands on. We talk to you about games you should be playing and games that we have yet to play from our backlog. This week, we got a variety of games, some many animal-related. We are going to be talking about probably the greatest cat game ever, Stray. We'll be talking about the multiverses... Uh, early access beta, power wash simulator for all those sim fans, and Link Extinction is Forever, which is a survivor game, the Forza Horizon 5 Hot Wheels DLC, and last, but certainly not least, my friend, Peppa Pig. For all the children out there, we gotta keep them in mind also. Every game that we talk about is time-stamped, and you will be able to access all of that in the YouTube description, and depending on what podcast app you are using, you will be able to do that also. So, if there's a game you are interested in, feel free to jump to the game that you want to hear about. Now, let's talk about the biggest game this week. This is not the game I would have expected to be the biggest game this week. Two weeks ago, me and David were discussing certain things, and we were talking about this game. And I said, eh, people would be interested in it, but it's not really going to get that much play. Well, it ended up being the most wishlisted game on Steam, so I was absolutely wrong about Stray. What's crazy is it actually broke the 60 barrier on Steam. 60,000 people playing it on Steam. So that's not even including... PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium, the people who bought it on PlayStation 5. This thing has been just hot, and I am just surprised that no one has done this before. I I don't understand how it take took this long for somebody to just make a game just specifically playing as a cat. I know that there are games out there where you would play as a cat-like creature and there's probably at least some like trying to think specifically some some other random type indie games but no one has made something this specific because you're actually like you're (laughs) playing as a cat with (laughs) cat-like mannerisms is would that be accurate it's more than even just mannerisms because you're literally playing as a cat in this game there's no nothing super about this cat there's nothing with this cat that makes it a oh it's it can talk it can do the it there's nothing about the cat that's special so to speak like it's a, a cat they're the first developer to make a game based off of the limitations of a cat and like build around that like exactly not, 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 not a only... cat with a gun or like a cat with a sword or like yeah. an anthropomorphic cat it's like a a gamified cat life story, essentially. <laughs> exactly. A cat with guns popping out of its paws. <laughs> Bayonetta cat. <laughs> and it's not just the fact that it's even just the limitations. There are the limitations, but there's also the benefits of being a cat. When you're traversing the environment, a lot of what you see is climbable. There, you're going to have those height or drop limitations that are there. 
but you're going to be able to explore an area a lot more vertically than you might have thought. Like there's a lot of parkour, a lot of just going around exploring. That's probably the thing that I know Anthony and I, he helped me with the review with just kind of getting my thoughts together. And one of the things that really blew me away with Stray is the fact of the the exploration that is available in this game. It's one of the highlights of it because with an indie game and especially with the first probably 30 minutes to an hour of it, you're just going linear a linear path. You're having to figure out each way of going places. <coughs> it could be something as simple as like a, a puzzle-ish They've got it where you could walk into a barrel and walk and it'll spin the barrel towards, Mm. you know, a higher to a spot to get up to a higher jump spot and and little things like that. But it's largely linear. And then you get into this hub area, which is where you first see a lot of the robots that we've people have seen from these trailers, these this really cool cyberpunky kind of setting. We really didn't know a lot about it. And suddenly after you introduce yourself via a little flying robot of a guy that you've saved essentially suddenly you're in this hub area and you're getting to run around and do these little tiny side quests to unless you just want to keep moving forward you can just run past all of it but it's just these fun little things that you can do in these hub areas that make this game just very endearing i'm I'm admittedly a humongous cat person. I love my cat to death and it, my cat's a bit orange. So <laughs> I very much relate to the cat that's in the game because it's an orange tabby, but it is just, especially for a cat person, this game is great, but it feels it somehow takes something that we a lot of this is nothing new to us with indie games, the way that you're playing this, what you're doing in this game. It's that they've taken the perspective of a cat, the angle of playing as this cat with how you would do something or how you would have to do something if you're a cat. And it makes it feel a lot more unique than the game actually is. And and to me, that is a, a big strength that is they did more than they had to, to make sure that that was the draw that it, it could have been just a trying to think of the word here. It, it could have been just a, a, a little thing that they threw in just to, to have fun with. And you're, you're like, Oh, I'm tired of this, but it, so, it was more than a novelty. Novelty was the word I was looking for. So before we continue talking about it, what is stray? Like what, what's the point of it? What, it, what do you, what's the objective here? So it it hurts your heart at the very beginning because you get out there, you learn how to meow, you walking around with your little cat family, and during a jump, you land on a pipe, the pipe disconnects, and the poor cat falls to its death, or to what you think is its death, in this like really moment that left me kind of panicky in this cutscene, even down to a fact of it it's trying its best with its claws to hold on and just slides off. And you hear this little meow as it falls out of your view. And it like, like pains your heart. So the whole point of what you are trying to do is to get back up to the surface. And you have found this other world that is down there that it, that exists. And 
without spoiling a whole lot of it, this world is is disconnected from the world that's up top. And you're you're as you progress through this game with the help of this little flying robot who this flying robot can't remember everything about the world. He's been trapped in the it's, it's like a, a consciousness that's been trapped in the Internet. You're trying to help it out. And it's trying to help you out the symbiotic relationship to get wherever you're trying to go. And as you progress through this world, you, you find out why all these robots are who they are, why these worlds are disconnected. And it's just a it's a trip. It's a journey. It's a it's a really fun story to follow. So is the cat. So we talk about it being a normal cat <laughs> is is the relationship between the robot and the cat this almost telekinetic type of relationship or is it one of those relationships with humans where the cat just instinctively acts and that's kind of the role you're playing you're 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 acting on instincts but you're actually controlling what those instincts are it's it's not telekinetic i can tell you that i'm not sure on the other it's closer to the other but there's almost this Seemingly that the the this consciousness for some reason can understand the cat. So while the other okay, robots yeah, okay. for some reason can't understand the cat. So it really becomes this symbiotic relationship of it's almost like this robot is translating for you to understand. Okay. I wasn't sure because when I was editing your yeah. review, I was trying to get a feel for what was happening. And I wasn't sure yeah. if this was a game that was rooted in real life, but it had some psychedelic moments. Oh, gotcha. So I was. <laughs> I, yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Is this yeah. is this game a, a mixture of fiction and nonfiction in the sense of real realism and, and not? Or is it completely fantastic? <laughs> yeah, nothing supernatural or whatnot is happening. It is straight up. Okay. For some reason, it fe- I couldn't tell you why, but this robot can translate it. Okay. Can, tra- can translate the cat and understand okay. the cat and talk to the cat. That gives me a better sense of what's happening. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, it, they, use, they use B12 is the name of the robot. They use it as a bridge, essentially, between the, the cat and the rest of the world. Yeah, that makes sense. So like, I mean, there has uh, to be Han something to translate that stuff. Yes, yes, Han and Chewie, something like that. That could be a, a way of putting it. That makes sense. How's the open world aspect? It's, as I mentioned with exploration, it's a lot of fun. It's not a humongous world, but it it feels bigger than the sum of its parts with a lot of the way that they use the verticality of it, where you can kind of climb up in these little slums kind of area and, and make your way around, go into these different uh, buildings. They had, they have built some actual go inside moments, which are not necessarily humongous, but it's a lot of fun to explore for the most part, from what I have been able to tell most everything has a purpose when you're picking up, because there are some items that you collect along the way, pretty much everything has a purpose. And there's memories, essentially spots, where you can collect those to help B12 to remember the world as it was before B12 was in the internet. 
So there, there are five main story spots where you get those memories. And then there are smaller memories where it's these nice little moments where he just kind of talks about the world of, Hey, remember how we used to do things this way? So, so Oh, go ahead, Noah. So how did this game make you feel overall by the end of the experience? I was, let's just say if I had felt better because I was sick, (laughs) uh, there's every chance that I would have had probably tears in my eyes at the end because of the way that they really connect you with the story between, once again, I don't want to spoil a lot of things. This is a spoiler cast. But the relationship between the cat and B12 becomes very special at the end of the game. And it's it's just a very wonderful way that they've done it and how they've put everything together that you just really enjoy. So is this story not necessarily about the cat, but more B12? Like it's, it, it has a Titanfall 2 kind of feel <laughs> where... You have the human to robot relationship, except yeah. you're a cat. You could put it that way. It the thing I will say comparatively though, you feel a lot more like an observer. Almost mm. as a, as opposed to being okay. like it, 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 you're in the story, but you're not really a part of the story. Whereas in Titanfall, obviously the main yeah. character is is a big part of what's going right. on. Whereas this feels like you're, you're kind of because you're the cat that isn't understood, that isn't a part of the world. It, it it's it's a really cool sense of story that you get out of it because you're not a part of the world. You're it, it's like I'm trying to investigate it and learn why everything has happened. Okay, and, and it's a really cool. Some of the other stuff that happens as you play through the game because there are some in, some enemies in the game called Zerks. They're like these little mutant jellos that kind of jump at you almost like face. They're like uh, face huggers. Kind of is a good way of putting them. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there's specific sections where they come into play. But you end up finding out these things are bacteria that was created to. From where the trash comes down from the world above, it was created to eat up the trash and it ends up going after organic material and is trying to eat the humans. And that's why robots are around in consciousness Mm. with consciousness because it didn't eat metal at that point. So they put their consciousness into robots to escape from the Zerks. And fascinating. And then it ends up eating and then it develops a, appetite for metal and stuff so i said really interesting story as you go around and that's even just a minor revelation that happens as you're going through the world so (laughs) their world building's fantastic in it yeah this was not a game on my radar i wasn't going to play it but i'm a little more interested in it now you you mentioned you reviewed it what'd you give it i gave it a 90 out of 100 I thought that everything that it did, it did very well. And uh, once again, probably a biased cat dad, but I just love playing as a cat. Like that's I, just, it's just so much fun. <laughs> you're not the only person. I <laughs> probably 60% of the reviews are cat biased. My, and my only qualm, my only qualm with it, it is kind of short. You can beat the game relatively quickly. I, I did some exploration 
and even with some exploration, I came in at about five and a half hours. Okay. So if I had, if I had fully kind of committed to everything, it probably would have taken a little bit longer. And then some of the trophies almost seem like intentional of making you take your time because one of them is like nap for a total of an hour, meaning you're just going to go to a nap spot, hit a butt, hit the button to for the cat to go down and on a nap and just leave your controller for an hour. Literally so, uh, putting it in sleep mode. Literally. <laughs> so there are some things like that and whatnot, but I mean, you're going to spend a max of 10 hours in this game, even if you put all the effort in for doing it. But I think I think we're in a world where we have 60 hour games or Assassin's Creed games that are 100 plus hours because I've got to chase like 200 feathers. I would much rather play an experience like this compared to that because it's tight. It's fun. There's honestly not enough games in this world that only take me five hours. And by golly, it's a whole lot easier to, on me to review something like that than something that's going to take me 40, 50 hours. I have one more question about it. Um, is it like, yeah. is it introducing new mechanics fairly regularly? or in, And what do those mechanics look like? So... There's not necessarily a lot of mechanics. It's more the world that changes as you continue on because there are three different main hub areas that I went to. One of the hubs I didn't explore a lot because it was one of those very easy to skip ahead to the next chapter hubs, but a lot of what you have available to you is just right away available to you when it comes to abilities. There's one spot where they kind of switch things up that I mentioned in the review, there actually is some combat where you essentially find out the Zerks are, they can be destroyed by extreme light. So B12 ends up with like a, your, the flashlight that you have B12 ends up with a brighter setting for it, but it has like a charge meter because it can't be used that much. So you use it a little bit. And then as a part of the story, you end up losing it. And I think that was probably one of the best decisions because it wasn't a necessary mechanic, but it was interesting to use while you had it. And it really was a good part of the story. Just right. just wasn't very necessary for much further past where it where they dropped it. So the game, like I like games like that, where they're kind of like unafraid to just introduce a thing, drop it. Let's move on. Like that yep. was a part that was a taste of it. And like we explore everything we want to see. That's everything we had to say about it. Let's move on. Yep. This sounds like a great game, and and, and then it, that's kind of what it's doing with its whole runtime. If it's only five and a half hours, like it sounds like a really tightly made game. All right, that is Stray. That is available on PC, PS4, and PS5. Made by Blue Twelve Studio, and I believe published by Annapurna. Annapurna. Perna. Hey, they've already made that joke. I'm not breaking the ground here. <laughs> Ah, I just, I'm not predicting the cat jokes. You even threw one in in the review, and I didn't see it coming. Technically, I threw one in right in the subtitle. Play it, meow. Yeah, you did. <laughs> not that one, though. There was, there was another one I did not see coming. Yeah. Well, I, I tried but, to not make the whole entire thing punny, so. I'm glad you didn't. We got, we got some good information on there. So, yeah, David gave it a 90. Let's move on and talk about another animal game called Endling Extinction is Forever. 
I reviewed this game and I titled it Emotional But Unfocused. So basically this is a game that is supposed to highlight the dangers of trashing the environment and not taking care of the earth. And it's done through the character of the last fox on the planet. And you have to take care of your pups. So you are the last fox on, on the planet. You are navigating this trashed version of Earth. A very small section of it, of course. But your habitat is infringed upon. And you're spending your time trying to find food. And trying to survive every single night. So... Each level, if we want to call it that, it, it's each level is basically night. So you have to survive night, and if you start getting to dawn and closer to daytime, the humans are awake, and you don't want to be around when they're awake because these humans are hunting you. So you mm. want to go back to your den and sleep during the day, so that way you can get back up in the night as a fox would do and start, you know, looking for your food and trying to open, open the map up. You're trying to do all that. This is the, 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 the reason why you want to explore in the first place. And this is, this is not a spoiler because it happens very, very, very early in the game. It, it's the catalyst to why you explore, but one of your pups is stolen by the, the humans and so you're on a hunt to not only keep your pups alive the ones you have left but you're also looking for your other pup so that is a subplot that's going on you also have in the environment over time it becomes more littered it becomes more damaged things are happening there's a factory in the background puffing smoke in the air called care core and over time it gets more and more trash and you have to kind of deal with that problem because there's less foods natural food sources and there's more garbage uh over time so it's weird because they split it up almost into segments so the first area you start in it's more natural you'll find more wildlife to eat you'll you'll find more berries and fruit and things like that to eat so but as you move on to different sections, it's not like the world itself becomes dirtier. The sections you move into become dirtier. And the, you move into those different sections because your habitats keep getting infringed upon. So you have to move from den to den and almost find your own den within these human trash heaps to keep your pup safe in the night. So that right there is pretty much all you're going to get about the environment stuff, which is why I ended up scoring it a 60, because the, the gameplay itself is fine. The survival elements are challenging. They make you think. You have to explore. All of my pups died at some point, so it's not an easy game to get through in terms of gameplay, but the story is really clunky. So the whole, the main message of the game is to take care of the environment, but it's tell, it's told in such a elementary way. It's basically, Hey, don't trash everything. 
so that way you can keep the habitats intact which is a message we've been getting since like fourth and fifth grade you know depending like how old you are this is not a revelatory message um and so that was kind of a bummer because the subplots that they have the pup getting stolen other things that happen they're good they're emotional they tug at your heartstrings and i felt stuff and it was good but none of it tied to the bigger message of take care of the environment none of it add added a nuance to the idea of ways we should think about taking care of the environment ways we should think about doing all that stuff so it it didn't work what they were trying to do didn't work at the end again it was fun to play it was five and a half hours or so um actually i beat it in steam time 4.7 hours but it could take a little bit longer but i thought each of the subplots were fine but some of them they just didn't connect and then some of them didn't make any sense at all so i am going to spoil one thing but spoiler warning okay spoiler warning we are spoiling right now Thank you for listening to the Gaming Trend Podcast. The crew is currently discussing a spoiler. Your estimated wait time is 15 seconds. So Noah comes up with what he says and it's like, yeah, you could totally pull that from it, but how does it actually work with everything else? I, I have no clue. I get, I get where you're going. Now. There are not enough dots to connect. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. That that's, that's where the, like we, we aren't getting a lot out of the dots. <laughs> yeah. So there's one subplot that is, that's good. It, and I like it. I like where they went with it. But again, it has nothing to do with the overarching story. So in and of itself, this is a moment where it's, oh, man, man, that really sucks, man. That, yeah, that was some poor decision making. Oh, man. Yeah. And this particular subplot is is part of finding your pup and you find your pup by sniffing out the the scent of your pup. And as you find objects on the ground related to that, uh. 3D images pop up in, in stills, basically, almost like what the division does when it tells its little stories. Uh, these images pop up and kind of in a still picture tell you what happened in that moment. And so you're going through the whole game, finding these scents and following the trail of them, and then you'll reach the end of the story. And it's an emotional, it's an emotional end. It's interesting. I liked what they did there. Has nothing to do with the over overall story, so that's where I really get confused at what they were trying to pull off with this. Because I mean, that's that's their you know back back of the box description. You're the last fox on earth in a in a in a world that's collapsing on itself. You know, it's destroying itself, and you need to survive. And it's supposed to be a story about the impact of all that. And I don't. I don't see it and there's a couple of other things that happen and it's like how that doesn't make any sense at all i see what you i see what you said but it doesn't make sense with the rest of everything so 
that's kind of the story of Endling. It's Extinction is forever. I liked playing it. There's replay value there because they even have achievements where survive with all your pups, survive with two pups, you know, things like that. So there, there's reason to replay it. But in terms of the story, I don't, I don't think it, it made the message or said the message that it wanted to say, whatever that was, which is a bit unfortunate because it, it looks nice, it plays well, it is interesting, but that, that's, that hurts it a lot. So that is Endling, Extinction is Forever. That is on the PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. And I gave that game a 60, which is all right. According to Game got, Trend. Before we move on, I've got w- one little question. How, yeah. how devastating do they make you feel when one of the pups dies? <laughs> uh, it's so it's weird because when one of the pups die, all the little other pups react and they're like, mm, mm, you know, and they and they have oh, the sorrowful man. looks. Yeah. So that part is is sad. The the mama's like putting her nose against it you know trying to wake it up so oh, it's man. sad but because it can happen so quick you can move on from it and like the music plays and then it stops because you've already moved too far so you, you would have to like go back and like have the moment so it and and then the pups stay there for the rest of the game so as you move throughout the area you know the pup is still there the pups they don't continue to react every time you pass it but you might feel something as you as you pass it you're like oh man yeah i let it but one thing i will say about that there was a point and i said this in the review there's a tug of war between wanting to progress in the story and wanting to keep your pups alive because sometimes i'm not sure if it was scripted where a certain story event will happen on a certain night and so sometimes you just need to spend the night surviving in order to move on or you need to spend the night moving to different areas to give your pups abilities your pups can learn abilities also like digging or climbing so you can send them individually to do things instead of the mom doing everything but you have to reach certain areas to do that so you're struggling at least i struggled between "Mm, do i just find food or do i travel around and Try to find certain spots. Try to find new spots. And different spots are located based on question marks on the the map. So you're drawn to go there. But sometimes you don't have enough time, right? So you have to figure out, "Mm, is tonight just a night of survival? Or is this a a night of story progression? Or is it a mix? And yeah, I don't know. I I didn't like that tug of war. I wish, I do think it was... I wish it was more, I guess, binary in terms of, you know, tonight we get food. Tonight is story. And sometimes when you're doing the story, you run out of time to get food or, you know, the sun's going to come up. So you have to deal with everything. So it, that is a little clunky, but it's not the worst. It's not the worst part at all. It's, it's something you deal with. It's fine. It's not, it's not the worst thing, but it is there. It, some people might feel it. I particularly felt it. Um, other people might like that. So, but yeah, that is, that is Stray. 
I gave it a 60 if I didn't say it already. So if you are enjoying this podcast, consider keeping the conversation going with us on Discord. Tell us what you have been playing. Tell us uh, what you would like to have us play. Talk about what we've been playing. All that stuff on the Discord. We will put it in the YouTube description and you can uh, join us there. So now let's talk about, I hope, I hope one of you two played this also, but Power Wash Simulator. So first of all, have you, have you two ever actually power washed anything? I haven't, no. But after okay. watching footage from Power Wash Simulator, I really want to. Okay, so it's <laughs> a fascinating thought. So I have, and Power Wash Simulator absolutely nails the calming effect of listening to what you're power washing and seeing the grime go away. Like, it nails that, because I get into a trance when I play Power Wash Simulator, and I'm like, yes, watch all this grime go away. And you hear the different material sounds change as you're washing different things. They're not great sounds, but it still has the same effect as if I were actually Power Washing. So kudos to the Power Wash Simulator team for making that happen. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's simple. You are assigned uh, jobs, basically, and you have to clean. You have to power wash everything. Every, that's, that's what you do. And for everything that you power wash, you earn money for that thing. And I haven't, I haven't played a ton of it, but for what I have played, I haven't encountered a situation where you are under a time limit to finish anything, like in Lawnmower uh, Simulator. Like, in that game, you had to mow the lawns in a certain amount of time. This, it seems like you could take all the time you want and get everything clean. Which, great. I prefer that because it's, at least on, I was playing on Xbox, it could be a a little hard to control, but it's not too bad. You can switch the nozzle from horizontal to vertical to make cleaning certain spots easier, so that's nice. You have different pressures for different materials, so you can go just a streamlined burst laser type of power wash, or you can do a widespread. It's not as strong, but it, it covers more area. So you might be able to use that depending on the type of dirt, things like that. So it's, it's simplified in that way to where, you know, you just up and down strokes, left and right strokes. So it's not hard to control on Xbox. Obviously, it would be much easier to control on PC, but it works. What I find hysterical is that so far, nothing I've actually power washed is anything you would actually use for, with a power wash. The first thing you power wash is your van. So that way you can power wash that and you can get going and drive around. And you don't actually drive around, but it's inferred you use that to get from town to town. So you power wash your van. And I mean, the whole thing is dirty. The windshield, the hubcaps, the headlights, That's the one body. of the first things I washed. I watched. <laughs> Yeah, and what I find absolutely hysterical, if you've power washed something, it is a wet job. You will get soaked power washing, and you are power washing your van inside a closed garage, (laughs) just freely just spraying all over the place. You can spray the roof, walls, everything. Now you just... (laughs) 
It's totally fine. I found that hysterical. It's 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 absolutely nuts to me. But um, so but I feel like that's how all these simulators are. They're simulations up to a certain point, and that is absolutely the point that they stop being <laughs> real. Yep. So the next one I did was a house, and it's an entire backyard. I mean, it it's the most gross backyard you would probably have ever seen. the The fence is full of wood. Fence is full of dirt. The rocks path is dirty the pool that's empty is dirty dog house is dirty. everything everything's dirty so obviously you power wash all that stuff so i mean it's it's such a simple game but it's so relaxing it's you just listen to the sounds there's no music none of that as soon as you pop open the game there's no music you just hit the start button at first there was no sound effects so that threw me off i was like is my sound on but once you get to a certain menu there's finally some sound effects but yeah, it's it's fun. It's really fun to just sit there and spray stuff and watch it get clean. And there's a meter that shows you how clean something is. So if you miss something, uh, every time you're cleaning something, it almost highlights it in the upper left. Like this is what you're cleaning right now. And there's a meter like going down, showing how clean it is, and if mm-hmm. you've cleaned it entirely. So how many hours do you think you could put into this game? How many hours do I think I could put into this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I wasn't playing Halo, Forza, and Multiverses, I would probably... If I could beat the game, I certainly would beat it. Alright, so that is Power Wash Simulator. That is available on PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. I didn't realize it wasn't on PlayStation. And so. Game Pass. And it is on Game Pass. That's, that's the way I'm playing it. So... That is uh, Future Lab and, uh, I guess, published by Square Enix, actually. Yeah, it reminds me completely of the way that you, like, you actually have, like, a, a nozzle that you use when you are cleaning cars in uh, Gas Station Simulator, when you unlock the car wash, and you actually mm. switch nozzles, switch the orientation of the nozzle. There's not a lot to it compared to this, obviously, because this is the whole point of the game. But it's it's that same feeling of oh yeah yeah I'm getting I'm getting all the grime off of everything yeah satisfying <laughs> yep Endling Extinction is forever is also uh, developed by Hero Beat Studios and published by Indie Games got to mention that let's talk about multiverses so I was super excited to get back into this game after playing in the closed beta uh not too long ago and it looks like they they made some uh, like balance changes to a lot of the characters bugs bunny felt a lot better to play against because at first he was like really really annoying uh okay taz, taz was also really annoying both of them yeah, were tom both- and jerry and uh bugs bunny <laughs> nuts right. in the closed beta all three of those characters were so op and it looks like they really did do a lot to sort of tone down their power and i like i'm a shaggy man already so shaggy <laughs> even has been changed he now spawns with a sandwich it, but all that's to say that it feels like they really have taken a lot of the community uh, feedback and used it to make changes already this early in the phase which is kind of refreshing because a lot of 
teams out there don't really use the beta phase to actually implement any changes anymore like beta should be used like that's the whole point of a beta but in recent times betas have really been more of a selling point for the pre-order like get the pre-order and you get access to the beta and uh we're just going to do the beta three weeks before game release and we're not going to use it to change anything and haha yeah <laughs> like thanks for the money and we'll see you next time and that's just like really been my experience with betas in the past at this point or i would say like more so in like the past five to seven years that's really been what betas have been and it's disappointing but multiverses actually seems to be iterating on this and it was even like towards the end of the last closed beta that i saw one of the devs straight up just say oh this is what we're going to do to shaggy uh between now and the next beta and that is exactly what i saw when i like booted the game up today and I played 10 doubles matches, and I won every single one of them because I'm going to be the best Shaggy in North America. It's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> it was... Is that MMR working for you right now? <laughs> that's right, that's right. But it worked pretty dang well. And, like, it wasn't just one match where I was, like, where I was popped off. I was popping off consistently. There was one match where I hit the sickest spike because there were two enemies coming in and I knocked both of them in one hit straight down. <laughs> I, I clipped it. it. It's gonna be on the. It's it's probably playing right now, and uh, it's absolutely amazing. And then <laughs> I I kept going off. I had teammates that were bad. I had teammates that were good. And when I had bad teammates, I popped off even more. Shaggy also, they've they've like made um, big strides in trying to make characters who are brawlers or assassins or more damage focused into being a little more supportive. So Shaggy didn't used to have this ability where if you fully charge his Super Saiyan Ultra Instinct ability, <laughs> um, now you can press the um, the neutral special button again and you can teleport to your teammate and knock back enemies and give them an enraged buff and lose your own enraged buff. So he's get, he's got a little more of a supportive uh move set now just with that and also they fixed his down special I mean, they didn't fix it but they added um a shield to it because or super armor i guess you could say they added that to it because it was really vulnerable and it doesn't do any damage until you hit the ground so like you'll press down special and you'll be up on the above the stage and then it doesn't do anything until you actually hit the bottom and you can be interrupted but now you can't because you got that special armor unless they hit you really hard um but yeah, it definitely feels a lot less oppressive going up against a Tom and Jerry, a Taz, or a Bugs Bunny. But I will say that Iron Giant doesn't exactly feel balanced yet. Um, and I think that's okay. This is an open beta, and he, this is like our first, uh, his first appearance. Plus, he's huge. And I think it's pretty ambitious to even think, like, let's put a huge character that dwarfs every <laughs> other. So- Big. Every other like it is completely different than like almost every other fighting game because a lot of fighting games you have at least some size com- comparisons. Right. There's a limit, <laughs> and, it, and yeah, here uh, it just feels like they just <laughs> threw the top off the limit and said <laughs> we're going to make Iron Giant true to size, <laughs> like, so true, how, to scale as much as possible. Since obviously he's a big part of this, how does Iron Giant play? How does he feel? Oh my gosh, he is what, so... what kind of character is he? He's so lumbering. <laughs> he's a tank, and I like his moveset a lot. It's it's fun, but I don't know. To answer your question, that is ah, that's 
He's a big, lumbering, heavy-hitting, you-can't-kill-him-very-easily kind of character. So, he'll take... Kind of like a Donkey Kong in Smash? No, no, not even close. Okay. Not even close to Bowser. He's just... He's a character who can just take a lot of hits. The difference with him, though, is that he had... I don't think he has the ability to have directional input. So, when you smack hmm. him, oh. he can't... He can't I've I've had a really hard time limiting the the power of s- some of these hits before I hit the edge. I I am a Wonder Woman and a Harley Quinn main, and I have no problem influencing their direction when people hit me. With Iron Giant, if I get smacked at a high enough percentage and hard enough, I it's I cannot get any directional input to work. So I think that's how they balance them. I think it's actually pretty fairly balanced he has one move where it's his neutral neutral special where he basically magnetically swirls these uh screws around him and that basically basically gives him uh unbreakable super armor so it lasts for a little while and that part is is rough but it only lasts for so much he can only take so much damage before it just ends and um it takes a long time to recharge it. So, um, as long as it, you can't get it very fast, that's when Iron Giant is at his most vulnerable. He also has a stage where he can change into his uh, uh, super form, and people can ride him and control him and do different attacks. He can uh, suspend opponents in the air with this little green ball and you could get wow. in some free hits. Uh, yeah. He has missiles that he could shoot out. And this only lasts for, eh, I think, without picking up any extra bolts or anything, which extends the time of that. Uh, I think it lasts for mm, maybe 30 seconds or so. But even at the same time, he could still get pummeled pretty bad if you're not careful with them. But he has some, he has some really heavy hitting attacks. He has a basically like a meteor butt slam where if you hold it, you'll see this like missile indicator and he'll just leap up in the air and then pull his legs up and just slam his butt on the ground. And I mean, it gives like 25 to 30% just automatically. And if you're at at like 80%, you're going to get launched. You might, you might die. So (laughs) he'll have, he has the, my favorite move is his uh, forward, his forward air where he, basically turns sideways and kind of like kicks out his legs and it's mm. just this multi-leg smack with his thrusters just like bah, 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 bah. it's like ooh, that, that it doesn't hit super hard percentage wise but it feels so good to to <laughs> land so he he's he's a lot of fun to play i wouldn't say a lot of fun to play i don't have a ton of fun playing him but i love his moveset it's it's so weird it's so lumbering you feel good when you land the stuff, but it is hard to use him. So if you can figure him out, I mean, he, he'll do some work. I played with an Iron Giant, oh, and no. we put in work. <laughs> it was this random Iron Giant. I was Harley Quinn, and I mean, he was, he was holding his stuff down. I was holding my stuff. I wish I recorded the match because we were pummeling them. Yeah, he okay, was using first, them perfectly. At first, I pictured two Iron Giants <laughs> on the same team, just like I. That's what I side, want to do. Side, I like, want, <laughs> I want oh, yeah. two Iron Giants on one team on my team, 
or I want everybody to be Iron Giant. I just want to see what that match looks like. <laughs> just these big lumbering Iron Giants. So one actually cool thing too I want to mention about him is if you wall, uh, if you ledge grab, not even ledge grab, but basically you know wall cling, mm-hmm. you your teammate can hop on you because you're considered a wall. So oh, wow. your teammate can use you as a platform to get back on the stage in case wow. you're like too far. So yeah, That's it's cool. yeah, it's 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 dope. They they I love the creativity they have done with these characters they have taken the time to make each character feel unique if you if you look at smash there's so many copycat characters with you know copycat moves and obviously literally the same character with a different skin yeah well yeah 20 sword characters but you know you got martha and lucina you got link toon link and you know wind waker link you know just all these all these very similar kind of characters but all of these characters feel very different their move sets are different you can't really play them all the same way so that it's it's multiverses is it's going to be good <laughs> it's people are <laughs> loving it i'm loving it noah's loving it um the one now they have introduced their um the live service element now you have to pay for stuff so this now uh, it's gleamium is what it's called so that is the in-game currency that resembles paid stuff. And everything is cosmetic. If you want to buy everything, you can earn characters as we suspected. You could also buy them if you want. The It's out for me whether or not it's the coins are gathered too slow at this point. I'm seeing a lot of conversation around that if coins which is the in-game currency that you can earn to buy stuff is earned a little too slow i don't know i'm fairly decent at the game so i feel like i'm okay earning coins but you will earn like 15 a match and the most expensive characters are 3,000 coins but there are other ways to earn coins leveling up characters uh at the very beginning of the game all your early objectives are all coins whereas after that, your, challenge, your daily challenges are all battle pass experience. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that the coin stuff is uh, broken yet. They're, I mean, it's a free-to-play game. So, of course, they're going to go with the direction of if you want stuff, you got to play the game. So... Sometimes I don't know if the conversation is, I just want this stuff now. It's like, that's cool, but for what if you're not going to play the game that much? If you're going to play the game, great. Like, this, this stuff shouldn't be hard to earn, right? right. So, I haven't, I haven't felt like, man, I, I can't, man, it takes so long to earn a character. I haven't, I haven't hit that wall yet, so maybe that's why I'm, I'm feeling in between right now. But, uh, We'll, we'll see as I keep playing. I, I will say it felt weird at first because I'm so used to the closed betas where everything was just unlocked. So it did feel weird having everything <laughs> locked. But it was like we, we were going to get to this place eventually. So right. it's not surprising. But I'm, I, I'm just not there yet with the, the free-to-play stuff. And if it's too grindy, I don't, I don't... And maybe that's because I enjoy it. I don't know. Right. I do yeah. sorely miss the shaggy shirt rip emote. 
because that was amazing and it didn't cost Gleemium at that time. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, it, it probably is too early to say, like, oh, this gold stuff needs to be tuned uh, to give us more gold so we can unlock these characters quicker. Uh, and, like, I come from Apex where it's like, yeah, like, characters each cost, like, 12,000 legend tokens and you'll probably get to, like, it'll probably take 20 or so levels to get that. Which, depending on how good you are, will take probably like five to ten hours each character. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably fair, especially in a game like Apex where you want to like learn those characters you're buying probably a little more. Uh, and probably the same in multiverses where there's a lot of nuances to these characters that you can uncover the more you play with them, the like, more combo strings you can tie together. And it will probably benefit players to just unlock characters as they go and that way they can feel more comfortable with each character that they play but yeah like if if you if people are interested in unlocking all the characters every character has enough uh experience tiers to where you'll you'll earn coins along the way with them as well so uh, there there are multiple ways it's not just playing the game it's using other characters and other things but it took me... Iron Giant is 3,000 coins. I specifically wanted to earn Iron Giant because I hadn't played him. This is, this is the first time anybody has seen Iron Giant. 3,000 coins took me two and a half hours to earn Iron Giant. Right now, just before we played, it took me an hour to earn another 1,500 coins so I could get another character. I think uh, Garnet is 1,500, so I could buy Garnet right now if I wanted to. It would probably take me another half hour to get 500 more coins so I could buy Batman or some other 2,000 coin character. So I feel like that's not that bad. But again, I'm half decent. So I don't know if people who are not as good are having more trouble earning coins. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. So I don't want to dismiss the idea that it could be a grind but I just don't feel it's that grindy yet. Not right. yet. So that and, is multi... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, and even then, it's just a question of, well, is that level of grind okay because of the quality of this experience and because it is free-to-play and because like just all these factors kind of piling up that say that this team seems to care about this product and having the starting roster, whatever it is, because I, I don't assume that it will be the same roster from this uh, open beta moving forward. I don't assume the same characters will be unlocked. So I guess it will come down to, okay, are the characters that we have av available to us all interesting enough to keep us at least tied over until we can get to those new those characters we want to play? Um, and then I imagine the people that do play multiverses regularly will have enough gold at whatever point to just yes. buy the new character as soon as that new character exactly. comes in without yep. having to worry about it. And that's kind of uh, why I mentioned Apex, because at the point where you play this game as much as you do at whatever game it is, you you will have the credits to buy, whether it's a Rainbow Six character, an Apex character, and multiverses. Um, and I'm sure that it will be tuned to that level of play. Um, but even then, like you just said, you just were able to unlock a character in an hour and a half of play, or even less than that. So, 
I don't really see that being a problem. Oh, too much of a problem. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't either. I know people are talking about the expense of the skins and stuff. Also, some of it is fairly expensive, and I don't know if that has anything to do with because these are licensed type of things. So even though Warner Brothers is publishing it and Player First Games is developing it, I don't know if Player First has had to fork out money to even have the license to, you know, ha- have the license to have the permission to <laughs> to develop this game in the first place. I don't know how all of that works. I imagine there is some sort of something involved with that that makes some of these skins as expensive as they are. Maybe it doesn't. I just, mm, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's as complicated or as simple as we're just going to make it expensive. Like I have, I have seen too many business type of conversations where it's no business just arbitrarily sets prices. It's, it's never that dark. <laughs> it's, it's right. just not. There are other things that are considered normally um, that sway why something costs the way it does. You may not agree with it, but that, you know that that's that's what it is. Um, and so, I imagine there is there is some reason why some of these skins. I think one of the Batman skins is like twenty dollars. Oh wow! So yeah, so like, why is that one so expensive? I don't I don't know, but I imagine my first thought goes to licensing. <laughs> Even though Warner Brothers published it. it doesn't matter. Player First Games is the one developing it, so there's probably the licensing. There's probably money distribution to Player First Games, money distribution to Warner Brothers. There's probably Warner, the family uh, who owns the rights to all of it and all that. Yeah, kind of stuff. The, the money that's got to go to DC. You know, like there's there's so many angles of where that money possibly <clears throat> goes to have the and then profit, profit. Right, you gotta have yep. the profit. So. Why and that you know skin Batman is, tw- is going to sell. Right. So, reasons. Yeah, I will so say So, at the uh, end of the day, like, the market will speak as to if people will buy it. And, and I imagine they'll adjust because it looks like they really do care about this game and want it to succeed. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Noah. I will say that uh, some of the skins in this game, like the alternate Shaggy skin that you can buy, is really well done. And unlike skins in Apex or... I don't know if they have skins in Rainbow Six for like operators, but in in Apex you can buy skins, but you never see your character unless you're doing very specific things during a match, and even then it's like for five seconds at a time. Uh, in Smash and Apex skins are like probably around the same price. I would say like twenty dollars. Uh, but in Smash or in multiverses, you're seeing your character at all times, and I guess there's a little bit more value proposition. But also the Shaggy uh, alternate is like a completely different voice actor and it's like different voice lines and it's a whole new voice pack and I wonder if that's going to be this I mean I I wonder if that's going to sort of influence the price uh tag for each of these skins. And well, I that wonder, shaggy skin is part of the battle pass. You're talking about the the robe one? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one's part of the battle pass. So I mean, you'd have to buy into the battle pass in order to get that in the first place, but the the alternate Iron Giant skin, which you could buy with coins, but that one, even the character select animation for that skin is different than the default skin. 
Right. So it seems like all the skins in this game have something different than just the look. It is how it animates. Uh, things like that. Small things, but it's not just an alternate skin. So I wonder if that does also influence the price of them. And, and you know, which ones you can buy for coin and which ones are st- strictly Gleemium. Right. So I don't... I know there's a long multiverses conversation, but like there, there's a lot to unpack with this new open beta because you know now we're experiencing the game in probably what will be the final form when we hit the open beta, and then you know minor adjustments from here. Because I, I mean, I, I pretty, pretty positive this is once it hits open beta, this is the game, like and and it's just going to be out for the foreseeable future so that is multiverses developed by player first games and published by warner brothers um all right i have a friend (laughs) i do too i have a lot i have lots of friends i have one friend called peppa pig so let's talk (laughs) about my friend peppa pig no anthony let's talk about my friend peppa pig okay fine it's your friend. Because uh, I sat down for about 45 minutes to an hour <laughs> with my friend Peppa Pig. Uh, hey. I went through the deep customization uh, to create a character <laughs> that felt unique to me. Uh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. That's a bit of a stretch. Uh, okay. I was about to say, I was like, real? Match point tennis. <laughs> is it deeper That's than right. match point tennis? <laughs> it might be. Real question. Is it deeper you, than you match point a, tennis? You can get a bowler hat. You can get a another hat you can get a cuter okay. hat i don't know you can get all tons of kinds of hats but you Look can change really. the type of animal you are the color of animal you are oh. um so you don't have to be a pig you don't have to be a pig i, I believe oh. i was a gray wolf with a black bowler hat uh and that a purple shirt sound like the right <laughs> animal for a peppa pig game <laughs> here comes a gray wolf hey. watch out <laughs> no because she's my friend so I yeah, very friendly. After you create your character, you get a brief intro cutscene where it basically kind of introduces you to the concept of Peppa Pig, and you get you know you get the premise of the game, which is basically you're hanging out with Peppa Pig for a day, and she's your friend. So you get free reign of this vast open world. Actually, it's more like open zones. So uh, it starts off at Peppa Pig's house, and she's on a hill. And you can either go down to the left or down to the right. And if you go to the right, uh, you'll go to the Choose your own adventure game. And and there will be tons. Yeah. So it's basically like an extended Peppa Pig episode where you get to decide (laughs) what to engage in. Um, And it's not much of a game. It's more of like you can press the action button to initiate a cutscene. And sometimes you get to mash B or hold B down to either like pedal faster if you're it's just animation it it doesn't really do anything it just mm, it just okay, changes yeah, yeah, the yeah. animation or yeah. makes the speed a little faster but it seems like a great game for it's like a very game. introductory early entry point for kids uh into <laughs> video games that's good because it's probably even simpler than like the clifford games i used to play on early pcs in like 2003 uh, it's probably even simpler than that. Yeah. All you really okay. do is just kind of walk around uh, left or right, and there's like 
mountains where there's like skiing and you can ski with Peppa Pig. There's a campfire thing where you can go to a campfire with Peppa Pig and there's a cute little song that they sing. Um, it's all very British and very kid friendly. And it was a it was a good time. And I imagine it'd be a better time if I was four to five years old. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the four to five year olds matter. All right. That's right. I started playing video games at six. Okay. So it's good. Good. They have something to play. That is my friend Peppa Pig. Uh, PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One by uh, Patoon Studio and published by Outright Games. And it is on or Xbox Game, Game Pass. Pass. That's right. Yep. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Easy to play if you, if you are subscribed. All right, let's talk about Forza Horizon 5 DLC, the Hot Wheels DLC. Man, this is a spectacle. And you know how Forza Horizon always starts their stuff. It is this race that takes you through all the momentous stuff. The same thing they do with the Hot Wheels expansion. They just, they're, they're rolling with that template, and it's the same thing. As much as you are rolling on orange track, you are rolling on orange track through giant waterfalls and through volcanoes and beaches and jungles and all this other stuff. And it's just, it's spectacle and you're going super fast and you're twisting and you're turning and you're looping and it, it's a Hot Wheels track. <laughs> so like it is, it is Forza Horizon 5 with Hot Wheels. Uh, it is <coughs> a little bit, it's, it's more different than Forza Horizon 4 Hot Wheels in terms of how loopy and corkscrewy the tracks are. They they definitely did more with that, but and and they're definitely pushing the speed limit with all the cars because you can there's it's not just dash pads anymore. Now they have these fans that are supposed to take down the uh you know overdraft and all that stuff to make you go even faster. So you have a you know, a, a four by four car going 200 something miles an hour down a hill that, you know, all the draft is gone and you are just booking it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> like it's Forza Horizon 5 is always, or not even just Horizon 5, but Forza Horizon has always hit this spot between you can get as deep as you want with this game or you can play it really relaxed. And right now it feels really relaxed with all the speed involved that you could desire. And it's, it's very cool. I haven't been able to play as much of it as I wanted to yet, but the basic premise of this so far is that uh, you're, you're doing the same thing you would do in regular Forza Horizon. You're, you're doing race events and you're trying to earn more points to unlock more race events. The difference with this is you are locked to a certain class and you have to earn different classes so you basically to go faster you have to earn your speed in this and so you're doing the typical forza horizon stuff you're, you're completing events getting more points unlocking new classes now you can go faster stuff like that so that part i don't know feels a, a little too rigid for forza horizon it, it this is the most rigid I, I think Forza Horizon has been. I don't remember Horizon or Horizon 2 if it was that rigid. But 3 and 4 were more open. You could 
Sometimes you were locked to a class in a certain type of race, but you didn't have to do those races necessarily. You could do some other races if you wanted to race fast. This is, no, you're locked in class B right now. So everything you're going to drive is class B until you've done enough to go to class C. So that's the most rigid it's been. But it's still fun to drive. I am still motivated to get to the higher speeds because the whole thing is based on how fast can I go on these tracks? Like if I'm going this fast with a class B car, how fast am I going to go with the, the S class cars and the A class cars? Dear Lord. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. And I think that's what they were trying to go for. So it's working with me. I don't know if it's going to work with everybody, but it is working with me. So I, I, I am looking forward to playing more of that. So that's uh published by turn 10 and Microsoft studios, I guess. And uh playground, playground. games, of course developed it. So, all right, let's get into some news. There's a lot of news, but a lot of it, uh, a lot of it's more like uh, public service announcements almost. <laughs> so, um, Josh sure left Naughty Dog after 21 years. He had credits on lead cinematic animator. Uh, he was the lead cinematic animator for Uncharted Drake's Fortune. Jack Daxter as an animator and helped with writing The Last of Us Part 2 and, and Uncharted 4. So this guy has done a lot and he is now gone. I don't think, I think Naughty Dog's okay though. I think they got enough people who are uh, experienced with this stuff. I think, have a, I think you'll have plenty of people who would want that kind of a position too. So they're, you'll, you'll get applicants. That's the biggest thing. Sony's premier studio, arguably so. Arguably. That's, that's the opportunity. They have a lot right of there. those though. So they do. <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil 2 remake has sold over 10 million copies. So congrats to Capcom on making that work. Resident Evil has revived. It is, it is, it is officially back 10 million copies. Wow. After watching six, like being part of GameStop selling six and everything and hearing the feedback on that one, it is so nice to see how much of a turnaround that whole entire franchise has had. All with old stuff. Like that's and, the crazy part. Rebuilt it from the ground up. Old and new. <laughs> yeah, I mean with Village and Seven, absolutely. I didn't mean to leave those out, but the fact that yeah. remake has sold over 10 million copies is, is nuts. Four's Sony going to sell ridiculous. I, I, no, I yeah. would imagine. I would imagine. Sony officially owns Bungie now. The deal yep. that was announced in January for $3.6 billion is now closed. So uh, enjoy your uh, Sony overlords, Noah. There you go. Media and Tonic. Enjoy Bungie. <laughs> I am. I'm sure oh, about they that. They already are. So some Fall Guy situation happened. The game went free to play, eh, what, two weeks ago or so? And uh, Mediatonic had a situation where they were caught, I guess, <laughs> could be the right word, having some accidental purchase problems in their, in their free-to-play store. So basically an update to their purchasing page allowed transactions uh, to be completed when an item was previewed. So if you go into the store, you want to preview an item just to oh, see wow. what it looks like. <laughs> well, you just, you just bought it, if you didn't know. So other bugs happened, like items being swapped before purchasing something specific and other inputs confirming button presses, which could get really confusing if you're just trying to navigate and then all of a sudden, oh, you bought said thing. So people tried getting refunds also. 
it gets even thicker, which is what's so ridiculous about this. People tried getting refunds, and there was a poor customer service person. Uh, I guess his name was Steve. So he tried to correct the semantics of what people were saying by, by saying, please let me correct something from your response. You have stated that this is a bugged purchase and a known issue. Neither of these things is the case. Yeah, that, that certainly went down well. So oh, wow. they enforced the EULA and denied the refund request. Now, of course, after VGC had put this report out, Mediatonic then finally starts to do something. And now they're offering refunds and doing all of that, uh, obviously, to get themselves back in a better place. But uh, this was all happening up until VGC reported it. So <laughs> this is a little funky by Mediatonic. But, uh, you know, in case you didn't know, that happened. So just, just that's what happens when you end up with 50 million players, though. <laughs> it is. This is true. It, and that's something that always is bonkers to me about development. You know, you could test things and, you know, you would think it should just work. And then you put 50 million players and they're doing whatever they're doing. And boom. Stuff is happening. It's fit. So I know this adds to it. My favorite story about development, and this I heard this when it when the Anthem beta came out, and it was not working like in the slightest. I tried to stream it for like an hour, and didn't wasn't working. But my favorite story was somebody was describing development as a person builds a bar, one customer comes in, orders a beer, that it works just fine. One another person comes in, orders two beers. Everything's fine. Somebody comes in and orders fifty eight hundred beers. Works fine. Someone comes in, asks where the bathroom is. The place burns down. <laughs> That's development. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I like that. It's a good one. Intel is going to uh, raise the prices of its CPUs. The price hikes can reach up to twenty percent increases in our. Mostly related to CPUs for servers, computers, and chips related to Wi-Fi devices and networking. Um, Intel and blames surging production costs and materials. Uh, Makes sense. Sadly. Yeah, it's, that's unfortunate. So, I guess get your CPUs now before they start skyrocketing. So this, this is fascinating. Uh, we all know who John Ricciatiello is. He was the former head of EA, and he had some choice words for uh, developers. He is uh, now the CEO of Unity. And, well, not now. He's been the CEO for Unity for a while. So uh, he was doing an interview with, I forget who, but he was, they were talking, they got into the concept of monetization. And so John had this to say for game devs who don't focus on monetization early on in the creatives, uh, creative process. He said they're, they're the biggest effing idiots and not using the word effing. He, yeah. <laughs> so he did try to uh, couch that comment by saying he likes all the devs and believes that they all work hard. Um, you know, he called them the most beautiful and pure, brilliant people before he actually said that comment. 
So he was trying to like contrast the idea of like, hey, you know, these people are really smart and, you know, but man, they could also like be. That, the hey, you're great, biggest. but you're trash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he wrote a long clarification on Twitter with an apology and he tried, he promised to do better. And, you know, that's some, you're the CEO of Unity. Like you've been in the industry. He bragged about being in the industry for so long and I'm like, it's too late for you to do better. Like, you should already be here with this what, stuff. What what gets me is that people say this stuff in interviews. Yeah. Like, yeah, what do you mean? You're not saying this like, oh, I accidentally said it on a live stream or something. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. being interviewed like you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. I, d- <laughs> I cannot fathom what he was oh, well. thinking. That that was going to be the phrase that communicated whatever he wanted to communicate. Which I, like, I understand the sentiment of like if you are a developer and you're not thinking about how you want to pay yourself and pay your people with the game that you are making this, that might not be the smartest thing like you want to think about that as early as possible so that way you know what you're going to create it makes sense but then you, you don't have to call the people you're going to potentially work with the biggest effing idiots uh, Warframe developers are creating a new game called Soulframe. So this is uh, also going to be developed by Digital Extremes. It's going to focus on melee combat instead of Warframe's fast-paced shooting combat. Uh, Jeff Crooks, I believe, described Soulframe as nature and humanity colliding and ideas of restoration and exploration. So melee Maybe Serene. I don't know. Uh, But Warframe will still receive support, so they're not abandoning that game. So Digital Extremes is also publishing a fantasy MMO by Airship Syndicate. That's all the information we have about that. So they're now getting into publishing, which which is pretty cool for them. Sonic is finally getting bug fixes. It It will happen. Sega community manager said they are listening and said they are waiting on fixing bugs, but there is no timeline for that. Uh, We know the developers mentioned that it was not all their fault that the bugs are in there, but they also were concerned that because they said something, they weren't going to be able to fix stuff, but it looks like that's going to happen. So that's, that's great. Konami is going to relist Metal Gear Solid games. As part of their 35th anniversary of Metal Gear, Konami will resume sale of suspended titles. So, um, I don't think there was a list of what those titles were. I think it was Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 were delisted, I believe. Yes, Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 on PS3 and PS Vita. Solid HD collection on PS3, uh, on PS Vita and PS Now. HD edition on two and three or two and three and on Xbox 360 and Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater 3D on Nintendo 3DS and then like Metal Gear Solid 2 on GOG.com and uh, Nvidia Shield and 3HD on Nvidia Shield as well. Oh, interesting. I wonder if those are gonna okay. I wonder if those are gonna come back to Nvidia Shield then. Hmm. That'd be fascinating. Rumbleverse is launching in August. That is a wrestling-themed 
Battle Royale with 40 players. It'll be on the PS4, PS5, Xbox, and PC coming August 11th, two days before my birthday. So that's cool. It will feature a battle pass that will run uh, shorter than a typical season, but it's that starts on August 18th. So, uh, yeah, one of us is going to have to cover that game. That, <laughs> that looks interesting. I, I am excited about that one. There's also something uh, that could be useful. Uh, Discord voice chat is coming to Xbox. Um, that's, that's pretty much what it's going to be. It's available right now for Xbox insiders and allows voice chat through voice channels and group calls. I just don't like the fact that the Xbox app is required for it to work. I think. Wait, so it runs through. Are you talking about on, on you're, phones? You're having to literally enable it through like the phone Xbox app. Like literally you have to like, and it's not a one time enable from what I understand either. It's not run through the consoles. It, like, so it runs on the console, console, but you have you to have run to everything. It. You just have to like sling it to the Xbox depending on whatever voice channel you're enter- entering. Uh, you can't, there's no like interface on the Xbox to say, oh, I want to join this server and this chat specifically. You have to do that on the Xbox app on your phone and then uh, sling it to your Xbox. That is clunky. Yeah, why? It, that's I'm, the only thing that I don't like is it's extremely clunky. I wonder why it, it's developed that way. Is that, I wonder if that has anything to do with the way Discord wants something run or that does that doesn't make any sense. It's a really weird workaround. Like, I'm assuming this is probably why it didn't get announced for PlayStation as well, because I'm assuming this probably is being worked on for PlayStation, considering their partnership that they announced. Right. So I'm wondering if they're trying to get maybe the Discord app onto PlayStation, or if, it, I, I mean, I don't really know, but I'm assuming this would be why, is because they don't want it to be this clunky, or Sony doesn't want it to be this clunky. And they might be working on an app right now in the background, but either way, this is still oh, yeah. huge because oh, it's having the ability to do this is, I mean, like, yeah. it's clunky, sure, but once you have your Xbox connected to your Discord account, uh, which you can, which you'll have to do even if you already had it connected to it prior, um, they have said that. But he, once you do that, it's just as simple as opening up your Xbox app on your phone and slinging it to the Xbox. It's not like it's going to be a long process each and every time. It's extra steps. Well, they've, yeah, but they've it got a QR steps, code but... you're supposed to scan and all this kind of. It's just an. It's just annoying. Like it. It just feels. It just feels like it should be. You should be able to figure a better way to do this. This feels like okay. Here's how we can do this to get it out first. For sure, but also they have it out first, and it's going to be like a huge help to people who want to play on PC with you know, being on Xbox, because that's a problem I run into all the time, where I'm, like, in Apex game chat, and I can't talk to them with open mic on, because if I do, my keyboard sounds come through, because there's no good in-game chat, like, that actually filters out your voice like Discord does, or filters out, like, background noise like Discord does. Um, So, like, I don't, I, I really don't think it's that much of an ask to do this, and I don't think that they're not working on an app also in the background. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying I wish it would have been announced less clunky. I agree. I have a similar problem with Halo Infinite. If I'm playing on Xbox and others are playing on PC, I have to run the Xbox app on my PC 
in order yeah. to do Xbox live chat with them and and hear them through the computer. Yeah. Or I can run the Discord and then I have to open OBS so that way my Elgato p- pipes the sound to my headphones. But eventually, like if I run that for too long, it desyncs. So I have to close OBS and then reopen it so it can be synced back together. So yeah, that's annoying. So I yeah. mean, for my situation, everything's clunky. So I guess, sure, I guess I'll take a, a, a clunky app that goes with what with Discord. I guess that's that's more akin to how I'm viewing it because I'm thinking, well, it's super clunky to even like talk to a person on Xbox right now, and anything that will make like mitigate that is better in my opinion. And even then, it's like okay, the first like initial setup I think will be like a little time consuming, but after that, it will be just like I'm gonna join, like I'm gonna click on this uh, Discord channel on my computer. And it's kind of like I don't see it being too much different than like going through the trouble of joining or creating an Xbox party and inviting people and then having them join. It's just that you will need a phone. You'll you'll need that second screen. Well, David makes it sound like you'll have to reconnect each time. You do, which that is annoying. Like you'll have to have the QR code every single time. It will pop it up every single time. Yep, from what I understand. That does make it clunky if it's a constant having to have a second screen. If they have a remember me option, fine. That's great. Yeah. Well, I know and you'll have t- to have a second screen, and that that's what I've been saying. But I don't I don't think you'll have to I didn't I haven't seen where it says you'll have to scan a QR code every single time you want to sling it to your Xbox. I think David's looking that up right now. Trying to look at it as quickly as I can. But yes, that that would be that would be annoying if you had to scan a QR. Uh, uh, yes, I mean this this is the days of the age of yep. we are in the internet. I don't, I mean, it's weird. You would have to do a QR code. Not everybody uses that technology. So yeah, even from this article, it just looks like yeah, the first time you'll have to establish the two way link between the two services, but after that, your accounts will be linked, like your Discord voice and Xbox. Well, that is connected, that... but you're having to transfer audio each time. Right. That's and the I, way it's That's what I said out. since the start. That still means I have to pull out my app every single time. I have to go yeah. from the Xbox app into Discord and all of that. So it's just it's just like I said, it's an extra annoyance that like it reminds me of the annoyance of the Nintendo Switch audio, obviously the Nintendo Switch game chat of just I have to have a second that's that's the biggest thing i I would prefer to have everything native because even on my pc i can do everything natively at least i can use the xbox app overlay to connect to a lot to a party yeah it would be it would be best if we could function this the similarly to what we do already with xbox live chat you know you just you hit a friend and boom or in the case of discord like it'd be nice if you just pop open discord boom hit a server that people are in boom you're 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 chatting i think that's the ultimate goal but right now it is pop open the xbox app then then do your stuff so nfts are banned from minecraft mo yang is blocking nfts and blockchain tech inside minecraft and server applications mo yang is saying Blockchain violates the spirit of their usage guidelines. Quote, we have these rules to ensure that Minecraft remains a community where everyone has access 
to the same content, end quote. But Mo Yang is completely close to the idea of blockchain tech in the future. Quote, we will also be paying close attention to how blockchain technology evolves over time to ensure that the above principles are withheld and determine whether it will allow for more secure experiences or other practical and inclusive applications in gaming, end quote. Obviously, this is great. <laughs> they are blocking it in the first place. People abuse blockchain and NFTs all the time. So there's thumbs there's up too, for them. Yeah, it's, there's too many, way too many liabilities for the technology as it stands right now. Again, I've I've always taken the position uh, if blockchain actually has and serves some use outside of just trying to create money, I'm for it. Great, cool. Um, as of right now, no, it's it's useless. Uh, PlayStation is eliminating customer support via Twitter for some reason. I don't know why that's happening, but Sony is no longer offering customer support starting August 1st, and they did not say why they made that decision. The only thing I, I can think I just of... I think it makes sense. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is they're automating more, and they are, they're, they're trying to reduce the human interaction on Twitter because it's probably toxic a lot of times. Well, yeah, with that, it with that specifically, and it makes to me it makes a lot more sense. Call customer support, like you're going to get an answer so much quicker than PlayStation having to look through their mentions to find it out, and you're probably going to get a better answer. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I feel like a lot of customer support services offer chats now too, which I think is even faster than oh yeah, um, than calling. Uh, and In any case, it's way faster than Twitter. Yeah. I would agree. And again, it's humans. There's no way to automate any of that. So no. I think that's probably why. John Romero is making a new first-person shooter, reportedly with a big publisher. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much the news. It'll be an Unreal Engine 5. So uh, As long as he isn't, they aren't posting those ads like they did the last time he made a big <laughs> shooter. <laughs> yeah. Anthony um, knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not, but you you, you got to do what you got to do. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, Ghost of Tsushima has sold almost 9.73 million copies in two years. So well deserved. Congrats, yeah. Congrats to Sucker Punch on that. Good job to them. I haven't played it yet, but. Uh, Need to. I've heard. I've heard good things. I have heard mixed things, but I think I think I'll like it. Maybe. Uh, Star Wars Hunters delayed to 2023. This uh, iOS, Android, and Switch game been delayed, and they delayed it to quote meet the high expectations we are setting for fans globally, ourselves as developers end quote. Uh, this is the second delay. Actually, <laughs> this is supposed to come out this year. But it's delayed again to 2023. I, is anybody excited about this game? Anybody even care about I'll, this game? I'll play it, Not but really. like it's an, it's an arena shooter, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a PvP shooter. Yep. I don't know if it's arena, but it is PvP. I just when I when I hear iOS Android, I hate to say I'm just I'm not into mobile games at all. It's really hard for me to get into anything mobile. So yeah. That's what you hear is just noise. iOS. <laughs> yeah, it's a, 
I don't even know who's publishing and uh, sorry, developing this game. What if that information is here? Cause... I think it's another Asper game. Is the it same Asper? people who've done like all the other ones. Um. Yeah, I don't. Oh, Zynga. Yeah. Oh, Zynga. That's yeah. right. Straight, it is Zynga. That's straight up mobile. Yeah. No wonder. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Mm. I don't know about this one. This might be in not a great Star Wars game. Oh, uh, well. Have you have have you guys heard of the uh, celebrity named uh, Luca Inksel Leon? I mean, I've heard of him because I am in the Destiny circle. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, great. Well, he's being sued by Bungie for in-game cheating and harassment. So, <laughs> uh, this guy streams himself cheating, and uh, he gets banned, and then creates new accounts. So, so I mean, like this dude was asking for it. Um, Literally. He's, He's accused of selling social media accounts and in-game Destiny 2 emblems. He has threatened one of Destiny 2's community managers and threatened to burn their Seattle offices down. One time, he tweeted that he was, move- he was moving within 30 minutes of the community manager and said, quote, he is not safe. Get a life, man. Yeah. Um, and you wonder why... Uh, the, the Monkey Island developer is no longer going to give any updates to people and, and not do that stuff. You wonder why Bungie is backing off more uh, community discussion. I've, I've been like this for two years. I have always thought nobody needs this much communication with any of the developers. I don't care if you're doing a live service game or not. You don't need to yep. communicate every little thing. Um, we've We've been through several decades now of video games, and in every decade, the hype has been there. We've been we've seen it we've seen it during E3s, we've seen it during events, we've seen it online, we've seen it offline, we've seen it midnight launches. Like hype is going <laughs> to be there. We don't yep. need all this communication constantly to connect with the game and i'm not and i'm not saying that as a blame on developers but we just it just needs to end like they just don't need to do this as much an update here and there is fine but this idea where we need to constantly communicate is for what (laughs) who who's winning here because no one is (laughs) no one no one is winning we're not gaining any more from knowing what Bungie's going to be doing. You know, they just put out a small little teaser for what they're going to do for an event August 23rd. Imagine if they never said anything before that, never had any contact with anybody before that. Guess what? It's still going to be hype because people are going to be excited. I don't know. It just... Anyway, No More Heroes 3 will not be a Switch exclusive anymore, so that'll be nice. More people get to play that. Uh, I think it reviewed pretty well, if I recall correctly. Uh, no, you're going to like this news. Inscription is coming to PS4 and PS5 August 30th for $20. So, With special DualSense features. Yeah, yes. I, I have not played that game yet. Um, I still need to play it. So, Super yeah. exciting. I love that game so much. I know you keep talking about it and I, and I still want to play it. 
it, Nintendo it conf- made me want to dive into all of his different games because there's like a connected universe there and it's amazing. That's all. Oh, there's a connected. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Nintendo confirms eShop uh, close dates for the Wii U and 3DS. It will close March 27th, 2023. So that is your time to do whatever final purchases you can. Um, all 12 Wii U owners, go ahead and get ready. Yeah. I didn't see that you will not be able to re-download purchases that you've already had. I think you can still re-download purchases. Yeah, I think, I think so. No news is good news on that front. I didn't see anybody talking about inability to do that. So it should be, should be good there, but it will not be possible. You buy things. Yes. In their initial, in their initial thing, they did give a date for that. Uh, when they first talked about this, you said, say what? When they first talked about this, they did give a date for when you would not be able to re-download games from the Wii U shop and 3DS they did. shop. Right. Oh. Maybe that's why nobody's uh, mentioning it. Mm. I just cannot remember the specific date. Alright, well, we'll look out for that and let you know, but uh, yeah, you won't be able to buy products or download free games, including demos. So, um, oh, this is, this is fantastic news here. Um, I've been playing uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. I haven't been able to finish it yet, but uh, I guess Famitsu Magazine got to get some uh, little quick pics of uh, the Like of Dra- like like of like a dragon seagull. It will be a direct seagull, and uh, yeah, it's uh, the picture showed Ichiban uh, Koichi and you. And they're they're just shown on screen. <laughs> they're just there. They took pictures of it. Uh, so it's supposed to be a direct sequel. And Ichiban uh, ditched his afro and tied back his hair. So he's wearing a little undershirt tank top. So I don't know if his whole look is changing on that front. But uh, I guess we're going to get a Like a Dragon sequel. Looking forward to that. I'm super excited. I cannot wait. I haven't even finished the game and I'm already excited. I'm like, me this too. Game is me so too. good. Same spot. <laughs> yeah. And getting to see that Adachi and Nanba were both in there. That's that's huge. Because Adachi yeah. and Nanba are like arguably along with Ichiban, like the heart of the that game. And I cannot wait to see what they do because I, I'm pretty sure Like a Dragon wraps up pretty neatly. So it's like we're just going to see these friends go on another adventure, and I cannot wait to see what happens. Yeah. And they're even supposed to be in like a new city, uh, different from Yokohama and Kamarocho, so I have no idea what's going to go on. And I'm super excited for a new Yakuza entry. Did you finish Like a Dragon yet? I have not. I need to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I still have it downloaded. No, I haven't given too. up on it. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, if it ends up on the uh, leaving game pass, I will probably jump, just dump my life into that before <laughs> so I can. <laughs> beat it there's no way there's no way it's gonna leave because we've got all the aquasa games on there and i think two of them left but they're back now oh okay yeah or they added two more but yeah persona's about to be on there like sega's seems to be like hardcore supporting it especially with their jrpg titles so microsoft is hardcore paying them that's what's happening well the atlas games being on uh anything microsoft is a a miracle exactly uh, Final Fantasy 16. Uh, the devs said they didn't use turn-based combat to appeal to a younger crowd. The quote uh, 
I see is, uh, I think I understand how interesting and immersive it can be. And I believe the quote is from, I forgot to put it down. Who said that? Naoki Yoshida. That's who said this. Uh, I think I understand how interesting and immersive it can be. On the other hand, for the past decade or so, I've seen quite a number of opinions saying I don't understand the attraction of selected commands in video games. I mean, when you put it that fairness, way. Oh, yeah, go. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, like, a lot of turn-based, a lot of the reason for turn-based games was limitations of power back in the past. It wasn't necessary. It was a lot of the development was because, you know, you, you couldn't go full action with some stuff. There would be too much happening on the screen at once. So you could create these epic battles because everybody had to wait their turn. And it just made sense coming from... and. So it just makes it makes sense. It's actions fun and you can do it. <laughs> you're yeah. not you're not lacking the firepower in the console to do it anymore. Yeah, I, I had never thought about <laughs> if I like turn based or not. You know, it's just always been something that's been a part of my gaming life. So I've always been okay with it. Um my tastes have changed. Like I used to really enjoy like final like Final Fantasy X, for instance. Like I played the crap out of that, and then just older I got, played Kingdom Hearts, and it was like, man, I just really prefer those. I think for me it was like the opposite. I thought turn-based games were like limiting and not as just like pure dopamine-inducing. But at this point, it's just like a turn-based game that is done really well, like a lot of Final Fantasy games, adds a different layer of strategy to to these games that make it a little more interesting in different ways than like a pure action game uh so i i can kind of see both sides but i do like my final fantasy turn-based yeah that's been the interesting conversation people are pushing back on the idea of final fantasy not being turn-based and i didn't i i didn't think final fantasy was a turn-based RPG in that sense. I thought it was just an RPG. So it just happened to be turn-based all this time. Um, and, you know, I haven't played a, a, a ton of uh, Final Fantasies, but I don't know. I, 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 the one thing I've always complained about with action RPGs in this, in, I guess, this Final Fantasy 16 sense is the what happens to you as, as you're low on health and things like that, where you have to figure out how to use your items I just felt like all of that was less clunky and turn-based and more strategic. And uh, I guess when it turns into something more action-oriented, that, that strategy isn't necessarily there as much. Like, it's, like, if you play Tales of Arise or any of the Tales of games, it's, it's fun, but it is not as clean, per se. Um, to do some of those micromanagey stuff that you could get away with in a turn-based game. So, right. I don't know. Hey, still like Tales of, though, so Final Fantasy 16 should be fine. Nintendo wants you to stop using their old Wi-Fi tech. <laughs> this is actually a story, guys. Uh, people are still using the, the Nintendo Wi-Fi USB connector. Remember that thing you had to use to play your DS games online? <laughs> if, you, if you didn't have Wi-Fi... Like, I didn't end college? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> stop using it. 
Uh, Nintendo says if you continue to use these devices, there is a risk of unauthorized access from outside or infection of connected terminals with a computer virus. So, um, <laughs> I <laughs> I know people need Wi-Fi, but my goodness, yeah, up, there are cheaper options now. <laughs> there are, there are. The Cowabunga Collection for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is coming August 30th. I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. Uh, Avatar Frontiers a of Pan... Uh, sorry, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora is delayed. We could see it in 2024 because Ubisoft's... It, it's been delayed to Ubisoft's fiscal year 2023, which includes 2024. I, don't, I forget when their fiscal year ends but it, it does end in 2024. So we could see it in 2024 or sometime in 2023. I think they're uh, an end of April to end of April. Pl- is it April to I April? Think I, I think it is. Okay. I, I just don't remember for sure, but I think they are. Okay. Well, because of that, it could be, we could see it in early 2024 then. Uh, yeah. But they say the delay is due to current ongoing constraints on productions across the industry. Um, Which... I can at least share from what I've heard. The game looks beautiful, but the gameplay's rough. That's what I have heard in what I've looked around at. Uh, I so. wouldn't be surprised by that from an Avatar uh, game. Yeah. I'm mean, actually looking forward to seeing what they come up with because I mean I love Horizon Forbidden West, Horizon Zero Dawn. I really feel like that could be the same kind of niche, same kind of idea exploring this really colorful world with lots of creatures and stuff like you could do something really similar i agree um yeah i haven't written it off could be good ubisoft cancels four games two of them were unannounced the two known and all this ubisoft news is now coming because they had their earnings call today so this is why uh ubisoft uh, uh the two known titles that were canceled are ghost recon frontline and splinter cell vr ghost recon frontline was a um uh was announced in october 2021 it was supposed to be a militaristic free-to-play 100 plus person pvp game it was supposed to be bigger than fortnite in terms of player count um and then splinter cell vr was announced during the facebook connect event in 2020 where they revealed the oculus quest 2 but that's been canceled and then two other Unannounced have been canceled. I'm very sad about the Splinter Cell VR because I you? love Splinter Cell and like I love Splinter Cell. Do you think Cell that would really look- work in VR? I don't know, but I <laughs> legitimately put money into a VR into There's the no quest because of Splinter Cell. Like oh, really? legit, like legitimately, I put money into the quest because they attached Splinter Cell to it. <clears throat> well. Technically, uh, there's a long story of how I ended up with a free quest too. Hmm. I just uh, to me, Splinter Cell does not translate well conceptually. Like I just cannot put it together in my head how I would go about making a VR Splinter Cell game when so much of it revolves around traversing and moving from shadow to shadow, and uh, I just I don't get how you would do that because it would just be with how the state of VR now, it would, I feel like it would just be like, click a button, you move to this spot, click a button, you move to that spot. And I don't know how they make that interesting. You, you could find a way. You, you make it more spy-oriented. And that's where I would like just... With, I, don't, I don't know. What, yeah. what does that mean? Because if yeah, you make it more spy... 
oriented, then you're 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 losing the spirit of Splinter Cell. Like it's a sneaking game, not a spying game. We think it that way, but there are ways you could make it work. I would I would love to know. I'm I'm here. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I don't PlayStation's Blood and Truth and some of the things that they've done in VR uh, with that like would work really well. For Splinter Cell? You could make it work. I, I feel I feel I'm just a hungry Splinter Cell fan <laughs> who will take whatever I No, can we get. won't. We need and when they no. cancel when they no. cancel the when they cancel things, it just makes me sad. Uh, I, I am a hungry Splinter Cell fan too, but I will not take anything. No. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm I'm thinking I don't want another game like Conviction or Blacklist. I don't want a VR title. I, I, just want right. I don't want I don't want Sam Fisher to show up in Rainbow Six Siege or <laughs> whatever Go app there is. I want a mainline Splinter Cell title that harkens back to Chaos Theory. Well, and that's, that's all I want. That's or, the re- or even that's the remake at least. They are they are doing yep. the remake. We hope. I'm excited we for hope that because there's no guarantee that they won't take like a ton of. Uh, notes from blacklist and say oh people really liked blacklist we're gonna make a new we're gonna blacklistify this game uh, i don't think uh, that's gonna happen yeah i don't i don't the think game's so. too linear for it. the game's too linear for it to happen that's true. they're not well that's they're not the turning thing. it into an open world game or anything yeah, the thing yeah, about blacklist true. is that it's a very linear game that likes to parade itself around as if it's not yeah but splinter cell but itself was a yeah, very linear game the, you yeah. can't do that in the original though you yeah, the original didn't it, even try to parade it. itself like it was open. It was linear. One, one no, of the only games, games I've gone back and beat on hard. Those <laughs> games have... The original Splinter Cell trilogy has options in terms of like yes. what you can do and how yes, to approach yes. things. And Blacklist, yes. to me, likes to pretend it has options. Even I, I don't think it has the <laughs> level of openness even that Chaos Theory Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, really yeah, get yeah. into it. Yeah, that's I think that Blacklist likes to say, oh, you get 200 points because you found this little spot that, <laughs> okay, you would have found that spot anyways if you played this game like a Splinter Cell game and literally explored every nook and cranny like you're supposed to do as Sam Fisher. Like, yeah. To me, that's, that's where my problem is with the way that they seem to envision Blacklist as being like a scavenger hunt that you got like cheered on for in terms of, in, instead of like Chaos Theory where if you mastered this level, you mastered this level and it will show at at the end of it. I just I don't I don't think I don't that's know that you the can make that happen though in a remake of the first one though. It, it just it, you would have to totally conceptually change that game. And I don't think they're looking to put in that kind of extra work. I yeah. I agree with that because yeah, what Splinter Cell the original is compared to Blacklist is uh, is a very different game. And that's the thing, different. Even compared to chaos theory, like the original and Pandora Tomorrow are two games that are almost very on their own. Chaos theory was where things kind of branched a bit more. Yeah, but at least the, that the one still kept two. the spirit. Yeah. Like well, still closer. It's yeah. still closer. I'm just I'm just saying like the original is even further <laughs> from Blacklist than even <laughs> Chaos Theory is. <laughs> Yeah, as someone I, who played the crap out of that game. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if they went at least as far as like Chaos Theory implemented, like <sighs> the original Splinter Cell, like right now, it would be too clunky. So obviously they're gonna oh, yeah. update and modify <laughs> and modernize things about 
that game in the remake. Yeah. So it's not as stilted and clunky. But yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it would go as far as Blacklist. I, I, and that's the thing. I don't think you can get there. I think the closest you can get is Chaos Theory and modernizing it. <laughs> like in terms of yeah. the way it feels and the way it goes. So we'll but see. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. Right, yeah. <laughs> Persona 5 for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 has no upgrade path. You will have to just buy it for the PlayStation 5. Um, I guess the biggest arguments around this are the fact that so many other games, uh, you know, Ghost of Tsushima being one of them, uh, there was an upgrade path for it. I think Horizon uh, has an upgrade path for that. Yep. So Every um, last gen... A re- every last gen Sony first party has an upgrade path. Yeah, and I think that's where people are missing it. For a while too. Just say that again. Sorry, I was talking. They over had here. to fight them on that uh, as well, just to get that Horizon guaranteed uh, ten dollar upgrade path. Yep. Yeah, Sony was reluctant. Well, Her- about Horizon doing it. was the kicker actually, because that's yeah. when they they re- that's when they made that big blog post where like, hey, everything that is exists cross will have an upgrade. But it's different when it comes to third party. Um, yeah developers and publishers yeah, that's Atlas. yeah they don't they don't have to commit to that so uh they did not and i i don't know the tech behind it but i imagine because microsoft has made this like a thing that they do the tech is a little bit easier for them to manage versus sony i don't have that maybe maybe it's not and just sony's just not doing it um in that way but um yeah, maybe Atlas looked at it and was like, no, this just doesn't financially make sense for us. And, um, you know, Atlas going to do business. That's what they do. Gearbox is closing its forms and moving over to Discord. The forms were shut down August 1st, but the whole thing is currently in read-only mode as of right now. Members have 30 days to save what they want to keep. Gearbox said, quote, during the past year, we noticed many of our community members prefer to engage on our other social platforms. Looking at where the conversations are taking place, and feedback is expressed. We want to continue that um, dialogue on our social channels where much of the community is getting their information. End quote. Um, I'm sad. Um, I don't like uh, holding big conversations on Discord. Uh, I miss forms. <laughs> so I, wa- I want forms back. I know they're not coming I back. They are a thing of the past. They are. Um, the P- PHP BB and Envision Free and... Oh Game man, I grew spotting. up on them. Oh yeah, um, yeah, those days are done. But I, it's so much harder to hold conversations now. Like I, I don't engage with people as much, which is weird too, because Twitter is almost forum like in in some ways. Um, but uh, people Reddit like, as well. Reddit, yeah. So I mean, the the forum concept is not entirely dead. Reddit, it, Reddit. I mean, is the biggest example of that forum format. But um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I I I I wish there were some more traditional forms. I miss conversations in that form. I don't know if you were old enough, Noah, for that. I I was mostly like. <laughs> I I feel like a wanderer of old ruins when I go to GameFAQs, like, look at different, uh, because I, I go to GameFAQs for Persona Guides, is there, like, some really detailed Persona Guides, and they kind of read, like, cookbooks do on different websites, where it's like, <laughs> I was in a very rough time in my life, 
and Persona 4 was the only thing that kept me going. And <laughs> I so true. And I then took it upon myself to learn every intricate detail of this game. And here I present to you the ultimate Persona 4. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like crying by the end of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to play this game. And like, oh, that is so on true. Trip with you. But yeah. Um, like strategy guides, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. That's it for us. That is all the news. So that is this show it for an extra long episode too <laughs> that was that was yeah we'll uh, we'll look into that i actually later. had enough time for x defiant to download this throughout this whole thing that's <laughs> 50 gigs it downloaded during this podcast i have to cut that part because x defiant is under nda so <laughs> but um yeah, yeah, that was an extra long episode, so uh, we'll, we'll look to cutting that down a little bit, but uh, appreciate you listening, appreciate you watching. Uh, don't forget to join us on Discord and have a conversation with us. Tell us what you've been playing, tell us um, uh, what you would like us to play, what you're looking forward to that we should cover, and um, subscribe. You know, I, I just, uh, you y'all been doing this YouTube stuff longer than I have probably. So you know, subscribe, like, do all that stuff. Um, you know, if you dislike it, fine. Do it's engagement. Things. Love us. You know, do do what you got to do. All right. Um, and the timestamps. Look for all that stuff as well. So appreciate you watching. Appreciate you listening. I'm Anthony Shelton. There's David. De- we're dead. There's no ounce of Dua. There, right there. Right, right there. Right here.